Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the letter 1 Peter. Today is episode 1011, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Let's read the passage. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other, from a pure heart love one another constantly. Because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. This is Peter's letter, First Peter. It's a letter from Peter. Peter's in Rome, it's late in his life. And he's writing this to Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And he calls them the sojourners of the diaspora, basically the travelers of the dispersed people. And the idea of sojourning, traveling, is that's how they should view their lives on earth. We're just passing through. This isn't our true home. And he describes our true home. It's in heaven. It's eternity with God. They're living with persecution, and it's becoming problematic for them, and Peter's wanting to encourage them. So he's sending this letter. It's going to be circulated through a variety of churches, and he's just telling them how they can get by, how they can live with these troubled times and be able to follow the Lord. So he's telling them to look forward to their eternity with God. He tells them to devote themselves to holiness and conduct themselves in reverence. We pick it up in chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth. Well, it begins with sense. So that's referring back to what's already happened. And this paragraph is a consequence of the previous paragraph. Previously, he was talking about living a life of holiness and reverence. And that leads to what this is all about. And this is all about love for one another. So, living a life of holiness and reverence leads to loving one another. So, you purified yourselves. And this is a euphemism for salvation. And just the grammar of it, it's a perfect participle. So, it means it's a past event or past action with continuing consequences. So, you've purified yourself, you have come to Christ. It's something that's already been done, but the effect is continuing. You've purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth. And so often in the New Testament, when we hear truth, we can just easily say the gospel. The gospel is the truth of God, the truth about God, and obedience to the truth. That'd be basically submission to the gospel. Now, what's that mean? Submitting to the gospel. It's not legalistically following rules. But what's it really look like? Transformation. Living differently. Living our lives under the authority of God's word. Being transformed in accordance with God's word. So, since you purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other. From a pure heart, love one another constantly. So, so that, 
okay, this submitting yourself to the gospel and experiencing salvation, that leads to sincere brotherly love for each other. So faith should lead to love for one another. There's no getting around it. Our relationship with God is very closely tied up with our relationship for one another. Anyone who says, I love the Lord, but I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ, there's it's a big problem there. The New Testament would say, you can't say that. Because if you can't love one another, then you probably don't really have love for the Lord. Verse 23, because you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So, you love one another because you have been born again. So, being born again leads to loving one another. So, the same thing there. If you don't love one another, well, based on what Peter's saying, you haven't been born again. And where's this born again come from? Not from the perishable seed, so nothing physical, nothing of the world, but imperishable. And he describes that as the living and enduring Word of God. And again, so often in the New Testament, when we talk about the Word of God, we're saying the Gospel. So that's how salvation comes about, through the Gospel. So let's talk about it. So what is the Gospel? I like to call it the explanation of how to be reconciled with God. We're separated from God because of sin. Sin carries a death penalty. But Jesus took that death penalty that we deserve on himself. And if we believe, that is, if we have faith, trust Jesus for our eternity, we confess our sin, repent of sin, which means to turn away from sin, turn to Jesus, and accept the forgiveness that he offers, then he does forgive us. And that is salvation. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ, which is the story of the gospel. He refers to it as the living and enduring word of God. Then he has a quote from Isaiah. Isaiah 40, 6-8. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So this is just illustrating this comment of imperishable versus perishable. And so the Isaiah 40 passage here is talking about the perishability of the plants. They live, they die, they dry up, they blow away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Then he adds a commentary to it. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So we don't have to guess that when he says word of God, he means the gospel. Here he tells us, I mean the gospel. Now, don't make too much of it, but the, the Greek word that gets translated as word in verse 23 is logos. And the Greek word that gets translated as word in verse 25 is rhema. Now, there's a, a slight difference in the two Greek words. Logos just means word, and it can mean about anywhere you use the word word, where rhema is normally referring to spoken word. But really the reason in the very end there, this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. He's using rhema because the Greek translation of the Old Testament uses rhema there 
therefore the word of the Lord endures forever. And so this word, he says, the, the rhema of the Lord endures forever. And then Peter adds, and this rhema is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So often logos and rhema are used interchangeably, and I think they are here. So I wouldn't make anything of that. So what's he saying here? What he's already said is that salvation, coming to Christ in faith, leads to holiness in living. It leads to reverence toward God. Now he's adding, and it leads to love for one another. These three things. And if these are missing, well, that puts a big question mark on salvation. So specifically here, the love for one another. What does love for one another actually look like? Well, I think it means genuine concern. It means looking out for the interests of one another. There's a whole lot of things wrapped up in loving one another. So in its purest form, it would be putting others' needs ahead of ourselves, putting others' concerns ahead of ourselves, not being so quick to have our opinions put out there and acted upon, of being very concerned about others and their opinions. So it is a genuine concern for one another. And it would play out in form of actual care for one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, teaching one another. All that's wrapped up in loving one another. Now, what if you really, in your gut level, say, you know, I kind of struggle with that. There's a lot of people that I have trouble with. Well, there are troublesome people, people that is hard to love. But if you really struggle with the whole concept of loving one another, you find yourself not putting others first, always putting yourself first, not listening to other people and always saying what you think first, then the best thing is to actually have a pretty serious sit down with God about this. Pray about this and ask God, reveal my heart to me. Show me where I really am as far as loving one another. Confess to God. God, I'm struggling with this. I, I know I should be loving one another, but I'm, I'm struggling with this. And then work on it. This whole process of growing in our relationship with God, of growing in our maturity in Christ, is called sanctification. And we have a role in sanctification. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, but it's not something that passively happens. We just sit and the Holy Spirit pours sanctification juice on us. No, we work with the Holy Spirit. We are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we take action where the Holy Spirit guides us to take action. And so this lifelong process of growing our relationship with God is guided by the Holy Spirit, but it does take our cooperation, and it is some work on our part. So if you think you're falling short on loving one another, well, let's talk to some other people and get their feedback. Maybe you are being too hard on yourself. You really are doing a pretty good job of it. But talk to God about it. Confess these things to God and ask God to guide you through it. Love for one another is huge. Jesus said, that's how people will know you're my followers, the way you love one another. And then First John, he says, basically, if if you don't love one another, you cannot be a follower of Christ. They're that closely tied together. 
And so Peter's telling us that if you're really a follower of Christ, it's going to change how you live. It's going to change your attitude towards God. And it's going to play out in love for one another. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through First Peter.